Successful events and failed events do not just happen. The success or complete failure is set in motion long before the actual event is held. A couple weekends ago, my family, Julie, and I experienced both. I'm going to tell you a tale of those two events and give you 10 tips to successfully plan and host an event. And this was from lessons learned from attending one that didn't go so well and one that I think went really well. By following these tips, I think you'll be well-equipped to successfully plan and host your own event. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. All right, well, lifers, welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. Well, it is getting there, isn't it? Winter and event season is coming. Yes, it is. Absolutely. We are in, gosh, we're almost to mid-October already, and that is just mind-blowing. We've got Halloween coming up. We've got the holidays coming up. There's going to be family gatherings. There's going to be work gatherings. There's going to be all kinds of stuff, and you know what happens, right? When winter comes... Winter rushes in, a new series of festivals and events where you suddenly might need to play host or hostess. You are the chosen one. You are the hostess with the mostess or the host with the mostess to come up with the plan, to execute the plan, and make sure it all goes well. So after that initial panic wears off, oh my gosh, it's me, you'll start to think about how to successfully plan that event, what you need to do, and how you can pull it all off. And not lose your mind in the process, right? While being a host is a lot of fun, or hostess, it's a lot of fun, there's a lot of work that goes into hosting an event. So you need to prepare yourself mentally. It's going to take work. Yes, work. That evil four-letter word to pull it all together. From the food, to the venue, to speakers, to the guests, to other resources needed to make it all happen. And some of these events are family events where there are no speakers. Or maybe you have to give a toast. So you got to be ready for that too, right? Yeah, so public speaking, you're going to have to learn how to do that too. But we're not talking about that in this particular podcast. We're just talking about putting this event together. There is a movie out there, maybe you maybe you remember that movie, Christmas with the Cranks, where the Cranks were going to go away for Christmas and not celebrate Christmas at all, and the whole community is in an uproar, and then suddenly their daughter Blair with the fiancé comes home, and then that kicks off a whole last-minute scramble when the cranks have to decorate their home, put together a whole event, find the special ham that no one can find because it's all bought out in town, the the ham that the daughter loves. It's part of their tradition. So there is a massive scramble in the whole community. It ends by the whole community coming together. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie. But like the movie, when you're in a rush at the last minute, everything and anything can and will go wrong. It's just, it's guaranteed to happen. So keep in mind that Julie and I were not professional event planners. Yes, we were in the wedding business quite a bit. Jules had her wedding floral business. We saw a lot of planning. We saw a lot of events. We saw some good, the bad, and the ugly. We were part of some of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh my gosh, the battle scars for that. But I have to admit that I've been in charge of events that were good and some that were bad and some that were ugly. you got to remember, I was leading an office, and we had to pull off some events sometimes, especially with clients and and, uh, also with other 
brass and management, and we had to pull off these events. And sometimes they went well, and sometimes they didn't go so great. So I've learned from being a host in the hot seat. I can tell you this right up front. Poor performance is usually direct related to poor planning and preparation. I had a coworker that said that. That was her mantra all the time. We learned a lot from her, and she is absolutely correct. So if you're going to be the host or hostess with the Moses, you need to spend some time wargaming how this is all going to happen and what you're going to need to do to make this a success. This is where the 10 tips to successfully plan and host an event will come in really handy. I think it will anyway. It worked for me. So let's talk about the two events that happened a couple weeks ago. One didn't go so well, and then one did. The first one was the Burnsville High School Homecoming Game. So Burnsville is a uh, suburb just south of Minneapolis, and it's where Julie and I went to high school. That's where we met. That's that's where we had some really good times. I was I played football, high school football there, and I was a captain, and we won a state championship. Jules was in the band. She was a volleyball captain and, and played volleyball, and we had our circle of friends that we still have to this day, and it was a good time in our lives. So as we were winding up for our Dahmer's Early Christmas Fall Festival event, and I'll talk about that in a minute, I received a Facebook notification and messages about an upcoming event at the Burnsville High School homecoming game on September 27th, 2019. It turned out that the current high school football coach wanted to make take some time at the start of the game, the homecoming game, to recognize Burnsville's 1989 state championship football team. That's the team I played on. We got to play in the Metrodome when it was still standing, and it was a really special time uh, in my life to play there and to win. It was it was a great day. So a former teammate and current assistant coach was spreading the word on Facebook on Tuesday before the game. That should have been an immediate red flag, and I did mention that event in the news from around the bend for that week. I was pretty excited about it. So we had fr- family coming into town into the Twin Cities on Friday. We had our Dahmer's Fall Fest Christmas, early Christmas celebration planned, and Julie and I decided that it would be fantastic to go to the homecoming game just to get a few seconds of glory to connect with other members of the team. I mean, I haven't seen these people in 30 years and people tend to drift apart after 30 years, right? So it'd been cool to reconnect and talk with them and and uh, just see what they're like after 30 years, right? I'm sure we've all changed just a touch. So I responded to the invite that I would attend. And we put ourselves in position to get to the game on time. Ryan came home from college. Danny and Savannah wanted to attend, so they got home. So we got done with work. We dressed for the game, and we just we went for it. So we hit the door. We we drove down there. I don't think I broke any land speed records, but I did pretty good getting down there. And I even broke out my 1990 Burnsville High School football hat. It's the Braves. And, and uh, they've ch- since changed their uh, mascot to the Blaze. So I wanted to go in as a Brave, not a Blaze. And in the news from around the bend, I talked about that a little bit, that changeover. So we rushed to the stadium. I mean, it's homecoming, so it gets busy, right? And we got there before the game started. There were never any instructions on the invitation about what to do once alumni like myself got to the game. There wasn't any information at all, really. And I noticed a VIP entrance off to the side of the main gate, but there were no instructions or signs for alumni for this team that's going to be recognized. So I waited in line with the other students and adults to get tickets to get in the door. 
when I got my ticket, when I finally got up there and got the ticket, I asked the cashier if she knew anything about the 1999 championship team announcement. And she looked at me like I had just come down from Mars, landed in alien area 51, and she had no idea. So I just shrugged and, you know, I'm not going to keep the line up just trying to pout and say, what do you mean? So I moved forward and asked a student who's handing out rosters and, and game programs if he knew anything. And he certainly would know a thing or two because he had a football jersey on, you know, connected in the program, probably had some instructions from someone in charge, right? Right? Nope, wrong. Wah, 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 wah. He looked at me like I was rushing Area 51 in a T-Rex costume. And he questioned if I had actually ever played for Burnsville. Obviously, he didn't recognize the 1990 Burnsville Brave hat. I mean, they're the blaze, right? And he directed me to some other guy, some gentleman, who was part of the athletic department, who was working over by the concession stand. I walked over to the guy, and, you know, he was busy doing things, and finally there was a break. And meanwhile, the announcer was, in announce- was announcing the Burnsville and the Farmington football team, the two teams that were playing. So I introduced myself and asked the gentleman what happened next. Where do I go? What do I do? How is this going to all happen? And he simply said that the announcer had just made the announcement for the 1989 state football state championship football team. Wow. That's great. Oh, man, I feel like, wow. It's like I come over. It's like I don't know what to expect. I got to be honest. I come in. It's like a little like I'm trying to get my bears. There's cartoons, your mom, and it's like you still got it. Wow. <laughs> I was dumbfounded. I was like, what the heck? I made all this effort to get here, and then... Nothing? That's it? So I said thanks and waited for everyone to catch up because they had to park across the highway and they were walking in. And once we all got there together, I kind of explained the situation, what happened, and they all just shook their heads. So we watched the game until halftime. We left once the marching band and the dance line had finished their performance. And... uh once, as we were leaving, Julie and I saw a friend who had messaged us about the event and said that none of the 1989 state football championship football team even went on the field or were there. Wow. <laughs> Needless to say, there's a lot to learn from how this event went down, and some of the lessons are folded into the 10 tips for how to successfully plan and host an event, which is coming up here in a little bit. So that's the event that didn't go so well, right? I mean, you can see where some things were lacking. I mean, last-minute notice should send up a red flag that this is poor planning and preparation, and it's going to lead to poor execution. And lack of buzz, lack of instructions, lack of any of that stuff is a surefire way to know that something's up and that this is probably something you should politely decline or ignore. So so let's talk about the second event that we attended that I think went really well. Of course, I'm a little biased because I was the hostess with the mostest, uh, the host with the most, but I think it re- went really well. So what event was this? This was the Dahmer's 
early Christmas Fall Fest. I call it the Fall Fest. Other folks call it the early Christmas. We get together and we celebrate celebrate Christmas early. We just found that with people down in Florida, people traveling the world, people with other obligations, this is a great time where we can all come together and make it happen as a family. Last year was the first year we tried this. Our extended family tried something. We got together and uh, we were up there at my mom's place and it was a great success, I thought. So I wrote an article about it called Minimize Time Commitments While Maximizing Life. There's some lessons learned in there. There was four lessons learned, actually, from last year's experience. So take a minute and review those. And those four things, those four lessons factored into my planning and preparation for this year's event. More on that later. So during our mid-year planning event... We've talked about this in a po- in a podcast as well, where Julie and I sat down, and we're trying to do this every quarter. In fact, I think we're going to do it tonight. We sat down, and we were planning out our year. We were looking at our five years, three years, this year. And one of those items were deciding to host early Christmas. And I swore after a couple of years ago where it just blew up in my face that I would never do it again. But... We decided that the only way it was going to get done is if we hosted it. So we let it. We decided to stick up our hands, step forward, and say, we're in charge. Come to the Twin Cities. So we selected some potential dates, and I texted my family. Hey, there's three weekends. Does any work for you? Then, of course, you have your typical hemming and hawing. You'll find that with any of your guests and your invitees. They'll hem and haw and and throw questions and have a little... uh, head scratching, and then they finally agree on a date. You know, there might be some negotiations, but then people agree. So we scheduled for September 27th and 29th here in the Twin Cities. Jules and I planned the meal in August. Let me say that again. The event is scheduled in late September, the last weekend of September. Julie and I planned the meal in August. That gives me almost two months or a month and a half to get things together, to, for us to get things together. And why? Why is that? Because I wanted this to be special. I wanted to do something, learn a new skill, try it out, and not only try out this new skill, but you know, have everybody enjoy it. And that skill was learning to smoke, smoke meat. And I had gotten my grandfather's old electric smoker working again. It hadn't been used since he passed away, gosh, a long time ago in the 90s. And this thing hasn't been used. It's been sitting in a box in a shed. And I finally got this thing, and we started, I started to test it out. And I decided to smoke two pork butt shoulder roasts for these events. 16 pounds of pork, baby. I'm going to smoke this thing in a smoker that hasn't been used since the 1990s or maybe in the late 1980s. So, yeah, this is a totally new learning curve on a totally new for me but old piece of equipment with no instructions, no prior knowledge. We're just doing it. (laughs) I'm crazy. I'm going to feed my whole family. I hope they don't get sick. But no, it was good. It was awesome. I gave myself plenty of time. And that was early part of September, actually. And if you were watching Small Scale Life Instagram or Facebook, you probably saw pictures of these pork shoulder butts coming off, the pictures of smokers, some videos. I did a live stream out there while I was smoking it. And, you know, it was just great to be outside. This smoke, I found that smoking is kind of a, 
put it in and kind of sitting around and watch it kind of thing. It's a, it's really kind of an interesting cooking process, you know, and it takes time. I mean, these are hours. We're not talking 15 minutes or 30 minutes on the grill. This is hours in the smoker. But it was great. It was great to be outside. I was in the alleyway. I was in my garage and smoking this meat for my extended family with my grandpa's smoker. How freaking cool was that, right? And I just, it's kind of weird. It's a little bit of this woo-woo stuff. But I felt a real connection with my grandpa and my dad. My dad had the same smoker. I think my dad bought the smoker for my grandpa. They had probably several conversations about smoking all this meat and fish and all that kind of stuff. And my brother has that one now. I have my grandpa's, um, and he's wor- he's got a project to fix it, but uh, fix my dad's. But I just, it was like, it felt right, right? It's like coming home, and it just felt like the right things to be doing for the family. And, you know, I sent some pictures to my, my brother and my sister and my mom, and, and my mom shot back that my other grandpa, her dad, used to smoke meat all the time. And so... It just was a real, real cool thing. You know, it was a cool thing I was doing for for my family. And the even awesome thing was that by mid-September, the pork was ready. It was done. <laughs> it was all done by mid-September. I had two weeks to go. Then mid-September, I harvested off the potatoes from the wicking bed, from wicking bed number one. And those were going to be part of the event as well. So homemade smoked pork, homegrown potatoes salad. Man, we were going to have a feast. How awesome was that? I mean, really cool stuff. And, uh, you know, Julie and I sat down, um, I think early September, we were planning activities. I mean, you're going to have all these people coming around. You don't want to just be sitting in a hotel or at our house. You want to have something to do. You want to have some activities. That high school football game was not anticipated. That was not on our radar. It wasn't on our agenda. But what was still going on, and, and Julie's got some friends at her work that are part of this, they go. They have season tickets to the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, and they were raving about what a cool experience that was. And so Julie and I decided, hey, let's do that. And it was kind of cool, because none of our family had been to one ever, never been to the Minnesota one, or it's been 30 years since they've been to a Renaissance Festival. So it was pretty cool. We decided we'd gather and we go to the Renaissance Festival and then we come back and have a huge pork and potato feast. So it was that was the plan. So a couple days before the event, there was some chattering going on from the extended family. They were getting a little nervous. They want a little more information, maybe an agenda about the weekend activities. They were kind of like, what do we need? What do we need to wear? What are we going to do? So I called and texted everyone to understand where they're coming from, when they were coming into town, and I also invited them to that high school football game because I thought it was going to be a bigger deal than it was. And then I crafted the mega text, and I'm using my air quotes there, but the mega text that outlined all of the planned activities for the weekend and sent it to everybody. I even had some rough times, uh, how we were all going to go, how we were all going to travel, and you know, just let them know all the information about what was planned and and when things were happening. Confusion is one of those things that will just kill your event every time. We wanted to cut out the confusion. 
things went without a hitch. I mean, everybody hit some traffic. We made it to the Renaissance Festival. It was expected because it was the last weekend of the Renaissance Festival. And there's a lot of construction happening around the Twin Cities. But, you know, just Grim and Barrett. The other controver- only other controversy was a kind of a last-minute change in plans. Jules and I made an executive decision to have the pork and potato feast at the hotel rather than our house. Now, we would love to have everybody here at our house. We really would. But as we've discussed in other episodes of Small Scale Life Podcast, we live in a relatively small house here in North Minneapolis. You know, we've got 12, 13, 14 people coming here. And the main problem is we don't have a big enough table to accommodate everyone. In fact, we don't have a big enough space to accommodate everyone. And then you'd have family just kind of sitting around in different weird chairs and putting plates in their laps and really trying to work around each other and tight quarters doesn't do well for this crew. So we just thought it would be a lot better to have tables and chairs for everyone. And and the hotel had a big eating area that we could use and kind of take over. And so that's what we decided to do. After the Renaissance Festival, Jules and I went home. We got all the food warmed up and it was ready to go. I had defrosted the pork uh, the day before. All it needed was to be warmed up. Um, we returned to the hotel. She got the potatoes ready, got some other salads and stuff ready, and we went back to the hotel and set up for the feast. And we took over the whole area, the whole eating area. Uh, there was some other people there. I mean, we didn't take it over completely, but we we were. <laughs> we had a good area there. And everybody loved the smoked pork. They loved the homegrown potatoes, the salad, the asparagus, the bread, the cupcakes, and the wine. Yes, the wine. Yep the wine but it was a great feast and everybody enjoyed it and i just i just was really pleased how everything went and uh including an impromptu prayer that i had to give and toast to our family to our health and to our ancestors it was just cool it was a great experience i thought and once everything was done we had a fun little gift exchange game and uh yes i did get into some wine and i did have a heck of a headache the next day, but we were planning some things for 2020. So that was pretty cool. We've got some good ideas and some things for our family, which, which should hopefully bring everybody together. Looking forward to it anyway. So I'll be planning some more events. <laughs> Go figure. When you're good at something, I guess you get more, right? As the night got a little long, people were getting tired, maybe a little... Yeah, anyway, we'll just say the wine bottle stacked up. Uh, Jules and the boys got everything cleaned up, and then we went home. Uh, Jules said it was time to roll, so we rolled. I thought the weekend was a smashing success, and as I said the next morning, if you didn't have enough fun or get enough to eat, it was your own damn fault. I mean, it was a really good time. I'd also say this, you know, one other note about gathering in spaces like this. I mean, we didn't own the place. We could did kind of take over. We wanted to be gracious. We weren't loud. We weren't cursing. We weren't, you know, being obnoxious. Front desk was right over there and they could see us. They could hear us. They could smell the food. We asked them if they had an issue with us eating there. They did not. I mean, we had three rooms at the hotel, but we wanted to treat them with respect and we wanted to treat other patrons with respect and with kindness. So um, I asked 
I asked the front desk person if they wanted, they were hungry and they said they were, but they were so busy they couldn't leave the desk. So I just made two big, huge plates of pork, potatoes, salad, bread, and cupcakes. I walked it over there and I talked to her. I made her laugh a couple times and, um, you know, just extending our hospitality and being courteous to her and the other guests just went a long way, I think. Just made everything come together real nicely. And she loved the food. I loved hearing it. You know, she was full. She didn't have to go anywhere. She didn't have to just say, man, that really smells good. I wish I could get some. Nope. We just took care of it. And it was awesome. And it was a really good time. Really good time. Let's talk about these events. I mean, whether you succeed at these or fail, it's all up to you. You have to do the work here. If you're going to be the host or hostess, you've got to do something. You've got to make some decisions and you've got to do something. So what was the difference between the two events? Why was one a success and one a failure? So the main difference, again, was planning and preparation. Julie is my organizing and planning guru, guru. (laughs) I had to put on the planning hat and I took the lead early for this early Christmas event. You know, I wanted it to go well. I've just been burned in the past with a couple of uh, with a couple of these, and and it was just due to the lack of planning and preparation. So I wanted this to go well, and I worked hard to put the pieces together and took the time to get things done. I mean, while some other people were doing things on the weekends, I was smoking meat, and I was happy to do it, not complaining at all. I loved it. You know, when it was time to roll, Jules plugged in. She did a great job with the finishing touches, the decorations, the potatoes, and all the other pieces of it. And she just did a great job. And my family brought their own special contributions to the party. So it was really turned into a team event, and everyone had a good time. Now, if I really was on the ball, I would have had them bring us a dish or something that they wanted to share and talk about a little bit. But I just wanted this to be easy and pain-free. I mean, why add more stress to it? We could take care of it. So the football event, yeah, remember that one? Yeah, that was the failure. Failed event. I mean, it was a great homecoming for the kids and for the staff there, but for this team that was supposed to be recognized, it was a complete disaster. I mean, what could have been a really great event to serve as a foundation for this Burnsville football team and future Burnsville football teams just turned in to be a slight pause in the announcer's script. I mean... It's kind of sad, but it's true. You know, I mean, Burnsville's kind of struggled. I'll be honest. Burnsville struggled in the conference and and since 1994. They've really struggled when playing football. And I know that the coach was trying to build a strong relationship with the legendary coach that we played under, but he could have also built that bridge to the players and had them get involved a little bit more. Nope, didn't happen. So why did it fail? Well, just because there was no planning and prep. Nothing. It was an afterthought, and it was dreamed up and announced on the week of homecoming, and that should have told us that should have been all the notice that we needed to know that this was not going to go well. I mean, we've attended a uh, event a couple of years ago at the University of Wisconsin Madison, where my dad was a captain football player before he went on to the pros, and that was a great event. It was at a hotel. There were speeches. There was talks. There was meals. I mean, it was great camaraderie. Then everybody went to the game, and it was so good. It was so much fun. Of course, this is high school versus a D1 college, but you could have had that sense of camaraderie at a, from the high school. I know certain high schools do, and uh, this one just didn't go, didn't go like that. Am I bitter about it? No, not at all. It's just things you pick up as you plan your own event, and then you go to another one and say, hmm, okay. (laughs) But uh, it's bad on me. I should have known based on the timing and how it was rolled out that it was just not 
going to be what I thought it was. And frankly, I was excited to go back to the old high school and live just a little bit of that glory. But as I said in the news around the Ben article a couple of weeks ago, I'm not caught in the past. My best days are yet to come. So the bottom line is that planning and executing a successful event takes time. It takes planning and it takes a lot of hard work. Rome was not built in a day and your event won't be built in one day either. God, I hope not. It's going to be a disaster. So take the time to do some and do some thinking. You can do this. Seriously, you can do this. If I can do this, you can do this. So have a lot of fun and leave your event attendees wanting more. Well, how do you do that? So finally, after that big story, let's talk about the 10 tips to successfully plan and host an event. And if you haven't been to smallscalelife.com, I really encourage you to. Uh, You should go to this particular article because there is an infographic. Yes, the infographic probably will show up on Pinterest sometime. But uh, Jules and I sat down after the events and we talked and we brainstormed and we came up with these 10 events. And uh, I put it together. I thought it turned out really well. I'm particularly proud of it because it's all about social, you know, right? So the thing to remember is that no event is a guaranteed success. With all the planning and hard work in the world, things go wrong. Murphy shows up. Things happen. Life happens. But if you follow these 10 steps, I think you'll get pretty close and you'll have some flexibility to adjust due to the unforeseen circumstances. So let's talk about the 10 tips to successfully plan and host an event. So one, and you heard about it, plan early. Start planning well in advance of the event. Spur of the moment planning and flurries of activity typically don't work out too well. Two, have a realistic timelines and agendas. So we typically try to pound 50 pounds of stuff in a two-pound bag. So don't do that. Make sure you give yourself plenty of time to, to pull this event together and get all the food and everything set. And also for all the activities of the event, make sure you have enough time to make that all happen. So three, communicate, communicate, communicate. And if you are ever in doubt, communicate again. Make sure everybody, the plan... Everybody knows the plan, the guests, the staff, whatever you got going on, make sure everybody knows because confusion will burn you. And so, and then number four is give yourself time to get resources. It takes time to pull this together, whether it's securing a venue or finding people or staff for the event, finding volunteers. It takes longer and takes more work than you think. So prepare. Number five, always have a plan B. Stuff happens, right? The weather changes. Always have a plan B. I mean, we were so fortunate because we had beautiful weather for that Renaissance Festival. The next day and for the next week and a half, we had rain, nothing but rain. And it was just, I mean, we it's amazing how we just th- put the, the thread through the eye of the needle. Amazing. We just got great weather. And number six, make sure staff knows the plan. Again, back to communicate, communicate, communicate. Make sure they know. Don't be like the young man and somebody comes up to you. What about this, this, and this? And you're like, I don't know. So seven, document and participate. So a lot of us are content creators. Some of us had events like Hogtoberfest out there, Greg Burns at the Contrary Farmstead, Greg and Susan. Or maybe you have events at your farmstead or homestead, or maybe in your small business. So you're going to want to document that stuff. You want to show that people are having a good time, that you put this together. Um, You have people part of your community, real live people, not these beings and avatars on Facebook or some other app, that you have people that you are talking to and seeing them smile and they're smiling at you. So you want to get those good times. Make sure you participate. Life isn't all done in the screen, so make sure you're interacting. 
but you want to document that stuff too. Eight, be friendly, courteous, and have a giving spirit, right? Just like that with the staff, with whomever. Be friendly. Don't be a jerk. Nobody likes a jerk. Uh, number nine, adapt or stand firm. So you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, right? So you got to be flexible when you have to and stand firm when it matters. When somebody's starting to howl about something, hey, maybe that's not what we're doing. So you're going to have to adapt yourself there, guy or gal. And then number 10, have an exit strategy. Somebody gets into too much wine, well, then you need to know when to leave and have an exit, exit strategy to to make that happen. So those are the 10 tips, as I've been talking about a lot here on Small Scale Life. We've been talking about building community. I just saw a study where uh, Americans have not made a friend in five years. There's some weird study that studied this, right? But it's a true, and, and not a lot of us have community. I mean, do you know your neighbors next to you? Seriously. Julie and I love to entertain. We really do. And for me, I find that I enjoy the cooking and smoking in the meats and growing the, and preparing the vegetables on the grill and doing that kind of stuff. It brings me a lot of joy. I love giving people a great meal that I prepared. And even though I'm on a restrictive diet right now and it's working great, I'll have to put a newsletter out about that. I'm thrilled to cook for people. I do it all the time, even though I'm not, I can't eat any of this stuff. And I love to provide savory and delicious array of meats and foods for my guests. And if you've been over here, you know what it's like. We just like to do it, and it's pretty easy. We can do it, you know, and it's it's how my grandparents entertained, and it's how they lived, and I believe that this is the path to building that community around you right where you live is to bring people in, bring them in, let them sit at your table, have them eat with you, and share a conversation, hoist a glass, and uh, be part of your world. We all live in our little boxes. We've got to get out of that. And Julie, she's she's the yin and my yang, right? So she gets everything ready. The decorating is great. She makes the house smell great, look great. It's comfortable for our guests. That's why it's so hard to have everybody here is that there just was enough room for everybody to be comfortable. And she's got a great knack for it. It's all that flower design and home decor thing that she's got going on. And she just she just does such a great job. She's going to transform our house really quickly. I mean, we just did brought out the fall stuff and some of the Halloween stuff, and then rapidly it turns into Christmas. I mean, <laughs> she just does an amazing, amazing job. We had our house in Illinois. It was a bigger house, and she just did – she could do all kinds of stuff, and it was so much fun. So she, she loves to create a beautiful scene at our house, and – I will say this. I mean, it's tough to entertain like we want to in this little house, but we've got a future plan for that, and uh, we're working hard towards that. And small-scale life, this thing we're doing, the small-scale gardening podcast, these things we're doing are leading us somewhere. It's leading us to to that future plan. So stay tuned. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if planning and hosting events are not skills or passions you have, hey, that's okay. Some people really get stressed out about people in their space and, and having people over and pulling this all together and all that responsibility. We totally get it. What you can do, you don't have to do it all yourself. You have to get somebody like Jules or me in to help you, you know, and, and there's somebody in your world that's really good at this. You're going to have to release control a little bit and you're going to have to do some other things to your to your space to make it to have people over. But you might have to turn some of those things over and bring in somebody to help. That's OK. If nothing else, use the 10 tips that I just talked about. That'll get you close. 
You know, it's like hand grenades, horseshoes, and atomic weapons. <laughs> you don't have to hit the target. You just have to be close. And that's really the truth. So we are an email contact away. Send us an email if you get stuck. You can always send us a direct message through Facebook or uh, realsmallscalelife at gmail.com or comment here on the website. We can maybe talk you through some things. I mean, you're not in this all by yourself. There are people that can help you. So my last words to you is share a meal. Share a meal with somebody, right? Bring them into your space. Build community and enjoy the moment. Enjoy these people. Enjoy these experiences. We're only around on this earth once, unless you believe in some other religions where you come back again. But we're here for the moment. Enjoy that moment. The stuff, all the noise and commotion that you're dealing with at your job, dealing with here and there, dealing with bills, we'll take care of that later. Enjoy the moment with that person. Give them your time. You can do this, lifers. You can do this. And it'll be a lot of fun, and your life will be so much better for it. And if you get stuck, hey, we're here to help. All right, everybody. That was kind of a long one. I uh, I haven't recorded this. It took me a while to record it just because I had so much going on. But I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, again, if you have any trouble, give us a note, and we'll try to we'll try to help you. Um, there's lots of good people in the Small Scale Life Facebook group, and they can probably help you as well. Some people have run some really big events and on their homestead or on their in their small business, and it's turned out really great. But uh, we are here as a resource. Use the ten tips. Can't stress that enough. So with that, we'll end this podcast. I hope that you have a great weekend, a, a great week, and uh, we'll be back real soon. We've got more good stuff coming, so um, we're going to get back on a regular schedule here. Small Scale Life is the flagship, so lots is going on. Got a podcast coming up right after this one all about extending your garden season when the frost approaches. What do you do? How do you extend your garden season? So you're going to want to listen to that one if you have a garden It's about to snow, and we're going to get frost up here in Minnesota. Frost is right on time. Snow is early. Go figure. But winter is coming, folks. Prepare yourselves. And we've got a lot of tasks to do to winterize everything and get it ready to go because winter is right around the corner. I know. Nobody wants to hear that, but it's true. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have some interviews and some other things. We'll be on the road, so it'll be fun. We'll have some other things coming up here in Small Scale Life, so stay tuned. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you real soon. So this is Tom from Small Scale Life Podcast. Remember to learn, do, grow, be a little better every day, and uh, have a meal with someone. Break some bread. Share a horn. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you real soon. Sky blue waters. Waters. Small scale life is podcasting. Small scale life is podcasting. <laughs> Small scale life. Oh Intro right there. Oh God, please no. Oh yeah, baby, it's gonna happen. And that this is part of the, your that. Wow, that's great. Oh man, I feel like wow. It's like I come over. It's like I don't know what to expect. I got to be honest. I come in. It's like. A little like I'm trying to get my bearings. There's cartoons, your mom, and it's like you still got it. Wow. <laughs> I sound like a dumbass all the time, so. Yes. Yes. Wow, 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 wow.